in a traffic jam Staring at the faces in a rearview mirror Looking at the promise of the promised land One kid dreams of fame and fortune One kid helps pay Woke Destroyer. Only in America. Randy Tobler. Dreaming in red, white, and blue. On News Talk STL. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Randy Tobler Show on this uh, first uh, first Rumble, Twitter, and Facebook, the inaugural show as we are on Facebook, Rumble, and Twitter. Woo! Yeah, no, there's Leah. Producer Leah, and I'm getting a little echo, Leah. So we're going to have to work on that. And I'm getting hearing some echo here, so we'll uh, we'll take care of that. But we have a big show today. Brigham McGowan's going to join us at 6:25, and uh, talking about the energy crisis in Europe and when and if it will roll over to America. Uh, Byron Keelan's going to join us uh, from uh, Freedom uh, Mo, and then AJ Rice who wrote a book called Woking Dead, Virginia Cruda, all in the 7 o'clock hour, Gabe Pfeiffer to talk about the Artemis launch, which we hope is going to happen a little bit later because, after all, Gabe, at St. John the Philosopher uh, <laughs> on Twitter, is a, is a, is a rocket scientist. So we're going we're gonna to take care of that. And then Scott Powell joins us as well, a prolific author, patriot, and uh, a man who knows what it's going to take to get us back to um, some sensibility in this country. Let's start off critiquing the disaster, probably the worst speech I have ever heard an American president make. And that includes recordings I've heard of American president's speeches the other night. Uh, And it was just a travesty Thursday evening. Let's take uh, clip one, Leah. Let's play clip one. And uh, this uh, this is the most disrespectful thing and the most hypocritical comment that I can remember from any politician, much less the American president in a long, long time. And here, in my view, is what is true. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state, to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. Now, I don't know about you, but in a guy from a guy who is ignoring the border laws, allowing fentanyl to come across and taint our children's lives, kill many of our children, allow gang members and others severally times deported people to come across and, uh, kill our young ladies we've seen that happen the violence that happens in our streets the rule of law that was absolutely ignored during the 2020 campaign in fact tacitly encouraged because it wasn't impugned 
How dare, how dare he talk about MAGA Republicans, half of this country practically, not respecting the Constitution. From this man who has made executive orders which have been overthrown by the, overturned by the Supreme Court, the most recent one, which is probably illegal and will be challenged and will probably not hold, and that is the complete forgiveness of, of vast amounts of debt to the tune of up to a trillion dollars. A man who overstretches his constitutional authority, talking about MAGA Republicans don't respect the Constitution. The MAGA Republicans who backed Donald Trump, who wanted to reduce regulations and return federalism and minimal government to America. I think that's constitutional, isn't it? I don't see anything. Leah, would you check? I know you've got that uh, copy of the Constitution in the... I'm going to check here. I don't have my pocket <laughs> my pocket Constitution. I... I constitutional, the enumerated powers here, I don't see a right to contraception or abortion in here. I'm sorry. I mean, I think that, I, you know me, what I do for a living, I'm, I'm all for contraception. I happen to know many MAGA Republicans that use contraception. Yes. So what a hypocritical, condescending, arrogant statement. Not to, not to mention the, uh, the, the 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 images the optics of this of this talk on Thursday, it was dark, it was intimidating. It disrespected the Marines in what was a totally partisan. I mean, this was an absolutely partisan speech slamming half of the American people, and yet uh, he got away with it. I mean, he was able to. But but boy, I'm telling you, the flag. I love to see the flag, but the flag draping back behind him, the red lights. I mean, were we watching a Soviet, a Nazi, a, uh, uh, what kind of totalitarian regime were we looking at there? 314-912-1019, if you want to weigh in on the Biden speech. There was a lot more that happened this week in terms of some of the release of the inventory of what was found on the, uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid. And interestingly, they they were they they took clothing, uh, gifts, personal articles, uh, news clippings, and then there were several a number of uh, of empty folders that apparently were marked to contain top secret information. Now, what does that mean? Where are those documents? Were they recovered separately? We saw the picture of them. If you hadn't seen them, you can find them anywhere on the on the web. Uh, documents allegedly found strewn on the floor when the FBI raided the, the Mar-a-Lago compound. Now, some have said, and these days after the Russia hoax, I, I don't put anything past the FBI and the DOJ in witch hunting this president. But, uh, you know, could they have been strewn there and then claimed to have been found in that position? I am not accusing the FBI of framing Donald Trump or his people and creating this situation. I am saying in light of what happened in the 2016 through the 2020 election cycle and beyond, we have definite evidence that elements within the FBI at the highest levels wanted to go after Donald Trump. So is it a stretch to say 
that maybe those documents that were allegedly strewn on the floor weren't really strewn on the floor on entry, that they were, uh, <laughs> maybe they took those uh, folders and they uh, emptied them and said, look at what we found here. And then they said, look at what we have now. We've got empty folders. Where are those documents? Just saying. So we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to figure out if, if indeed uh, that's really what happened. I'm, I don't know. But suffice it to say that there's also some weakness in, in the Trump team arguments as well. If indeed in the June meeting when the agents came to Mar-a-Lago, allegedly Donald Trump said, hey, well, let's, uh, let's comply. We want to be friendly. And then after that, one of his lawyers made a statement, signed a letter that said, we have given you all of the confidential slash top secret information. And then it turns out that that wasn't the case. So Trump and his team set themselves up for tension, for escalation. Did it need to go to this level? Historians will decide. Uh, voters will decide come this fall and 24 and beyond. You go back to the Hillary Clinton and the way she was, uh, the servers and the way she was treated. How come she was given a wink, wink and a nod when she, oh yeah, all of the, all of the servers uh, were returned, the, the hard drives were returned, but oh, uh, Bleach Bit, uh, you heard of that, con that, uh, that uh, app? I haven't. So I, for one, um, am not, uh, am not, am not uh, happy with the duplicitous treatment of our leaders. If you happen to be on the left side of the fence, uh, you, you have the most rigorous investigations, the most vigorous persecution, and possibly prosecution. But if you're, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, if you're on the right side of the fence, if you're on the left side of the fence, no, not so much. Not so much. We give you a pass. So who's taking the country backwards into a time uh, like uh, just four years ago when the witch hunt was on for Donald Trump, and now is it on again? And when MAGA people make America great again, what we mean by that, if you're a MAGA person, I'm a MAGA person. I'm not a Donald Trump person, but I'm a MAGA person. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Donald Trump. I prefer his, I prefer his, uh, his policies to his rhetoric. I like the fact he's disruptive. I like the fact that he speaks his piece. I don't like the fact that he's uh, braggadocious and likes to stretch the truth, <laughs> at least from a political and rhetorical standpoint. Let's play clip two, Miss Leah. Here's Joe Biden from the speech the other night, the worst presidential speech in the history of this country. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. So the rule of law, I guess, does the rule of law not apply if you're a Black Lives Matter, violent protester, a rioter, 
a destructor, a, a, a destroyer of private property in the summer of 2020, if you're an anti-fascia who, uh, who is uh, trying to, um, you know, quell journalists and beating them up, we saw that happen up in the Northwest. The rule of law only seems to matter if Joe Biden wants to hammer MAGA forces and some, a few, a, a very few, who breached the Capitol. I was abhorred at that. I anchored that broadcast that night. I called it a, a day that'll leave it, live in infamy. I was right. It was inexcusable. And it gave them weaponry now that is damaging the Republican slash MAGA brand. And we should be wise going forward to not load the gun for them. Okay? Very, very important. Well, that's what I have to say about that. We'll be talking about it throughout the show. We're going to pivot a little bit and talk about our energy, even though this Labor Day weekend, and I hope you have a great one planned, the gas prices have moderated a little bit from their peak back in April, May. However, they're still inordinately high because of the policies of this administration. They started before the Putin invasion. We all know it. No matter what Biden and Karine Jean-Pierre likes to say. But we'll, uh, we'll talk with um, <clears throat> Brigham McCown of the Hudson Institute about the Europe energy crisis as a result of the same policies that have come to America. And is it a presage? Is it a harbinger of what will be happening here in America with our energy? We're already seeing blackouts predicted. We're already seeing flex usage being encouraged. <laughs> Don't charge your electric vehicles, Gavin Newsom says, because we have a problem with the electric grid. And yet he mandates everyone's going to have an electric vehicle in California by 2035. Right, right. I think he's been to the French Laundry drinking too much wine. I'm Randy Tobler. There's Leah. We're the Randy Tobler Show. And uh, we'll be back in just a little bit with Brigham McGowan. Stay there. crisis storm of sorts uh, heading our way, certainly heading Europe's way, and I really hadn't been aware of it too much until I read a, a piece here uh, by our guest who is uh, with the Hudson Institute, Brigham McCown, Director of the Initiative on American Energy Security. How you doing, Brigham? Thanks for joining me. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on the show today. Hey, there was some frightening news, and uh, it was funny. I, I read your piece, and then, by golly, Tucker made his monologue about it last night. I thought, okay, I, I, it got my attention. Okay, God, you're telling me we need to talk about this, and what does it mean for America? I mean, what can we learn from it? it is it really th that people may not be able to, to heat their homes in Europe to, any, to a significant extent? Uh, yeah, it is quite it, it is quite possible. And really, you know, Europe has uh, has pursued a, a policy for several decades now that uh, that isn't realistic as they try to transition away from fossil fuels. But moreover, President Ronald Reagan warned Europe uh, back in the 80s to get off of Russian oil and gas. It, it's cheap. They like it. It allows them to subsidize their renewable projects and uh, and now Putin has weaponized it, and they're paying the price, literally. 
Yeah, well, I know, uh, you know, they abandoned uh, nuclear. I mean, I guess uh, France still has a significant amount of nuclear, but I know that Germany, uh, you know, went the other way. And now they're having to, they're depending on more uh, coal than, than I guess they ever have, or, or as much as they had in the past, because they just, the alternatives haven't haven't uh, really fit the bill. That, is this a technology that is just being pushed and it's not ready for prime time? I mean, isn't that the, the basic common sense story here? Yeah, I think, you know, Randy, uh, when we look at it, uh, we need a true all-the-above approach to energy. And that means there's a place for renewables. But just like the hammer is not the only thing in your toolbox, renewables should not be the only thing in our energy toolkit either. And that mix will change over time. The renewable portfolio will grow. But we're forcing a transition. It's like running a relay race, and and you're you're telling the, the guy running, to pass the baton, um, and you're trying to trip him up, he can't get to the next person. And by the way, the next person isn't ready. The way you do this is fossil fuel is running full out. When and if renewables are ready, they're running full out. And then you pass the baton over five to ten years in a transition zone. But the way we are going about this is ideologically driven, and it makes no policy sense. Well, and and isn't there a problem, too, with the the false belief that if we made a dent in our carbon emissions in the West, let's say collectively, that somehow that would heal the planet. And, uh, the, you know, as Obama said, you know, the, the oceans will uh, will rise or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but um, meanwhile, we're, we're, we're turning a blind eye to what's going on in China and India. I mean, are we falling on the sword to no avail no matter what we do? I mean, is it really when they're pumping out what a new coal-fired plant is every week or month? There are a lot of them. Is it is yeah. it folly? It, you know, to some extent it is. I mean, I, I get the point. And I talk to people all over Europe and the U.S. all the time. Says, well, we have to do our part. Well, that's great. But that's a drop in the bucket. In fact, the United States has reduced its greenhouse gas emissions more than Europe. And we've practically spent nothing to do it because of the uh, the fracking uh, and the shale revolution, where we have just naturally transitioned toward uh, natural gas. But you're right. Uh, China puts more uh, harmful emissions into the atmosphere, double that in the United States. And it's growing every day. And the Paris Climate Change Agreement allows them to continue unabated for years to come. It's foolhardy to think that pollution stays in one place. And, uh, you know, unless everyone's going to agree to the same set of the rules, we are handicapping ourselves intentionally, and that makes no sense. Talking to Brigham McGowan, director of the Initiative on American Energy Security at Hudson Institute. Okay, so there's lots been said about liquid natural gas. I think in the Trump administration, was that when there was some pretty robust talk about developing pretty good distribution channels from here over to Europe to avoid what you just chronicled, that dependence on on Putin, and it's nice while it's flowing, but now it's a weapon for him. Where is the LNG story right now? And if it's not active now, how long would it take with different policy to get back online? Well, we are exporting natural gas in liquid form to Europe and other places around the world. It's uh, it's it's a boom that we saw coming 10-plus uh, years ago. Uh, the Obama administration wasn't that thrilled about it. Uh, the Trump administration said, yeah, let's get going. Unfortunately, we're going backwards now with the Biden administration, but we are exporting natural gas to Europe 
And some countries in Europe, i.e. those who used to be under the thumb of the Soviet Union, are the most aggressive at pursuing energy independence because they got it. They got it long before Western Europe did, quite frankly. And uh, a country in the Baltics like Lithuania, they got tired of waiting around for the EU. They built their own LNG import terminal, and, and they're kicking back doing just fine right now. Wow. So that would be a win-win for Europe and for the U.S., right? I mean, we, we have a, a, a highly valued commodity, if you will, <laughs> that's, that's exported. I mean, this, was, this is like our version of the China cheap, uh, you know, uh, finger trick, right? I mean, we're, we're giving stuff to them. They can use it. They're, we can, you know, give the middle finger to, to Putin, and, and life is good. It would, it would seem to me like there would be a, a hue and a cry for that. But yeah, our policy is, is the problem. It's the supply on our side that is the, is the kicker right now, huh? Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, the current policies of this administration are aimed at uh, handicapping fossil fuels and putting their thumb on the scales in favor of renewables. So instead of unleashing American energy, uh, as the Trump administration did, uh, you know, we're producing less today. I mean, that's frankly why you see gas prices, uh, heating prices, electricity going up in the United States. We got close to energy independence, and now we're going backwards. And Europe would love to have some of the LNG. It's a, you know, it used to be in trade. If, uh, if we had something that we sold overseas, people give us money. That gave us a positive trade balance. That was a good thing. And, uh, you know, exporting American energy is a good thing for, uh, for our economy and our stability. Your thoughts about the recent so-called big air finger quotes here, Inflation Reduction Act, and the quid pro quo given to uh, to Joe Manchin. Uh, what, can you expand on that a little bit? I think I, I had a hard time unpacking what it all meant. Was it just a, was it a token, or was it really something meaningful for for energy uh, here in America? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm a little bewildered. I know Joe Manchin. Uh, I come from uh, an area not too far from him in Appalachia. Um, you know, I think he got hoodwinked. Um, I think he got promised a lot of things that would help oil and gas uh, that indirectly then helps West Virginia. Uh, you already see people in his own party saying, we weren't serious about that. We're not going to follow through with permitting reform to allow oil and gas to be more easily produced, to, to streamline environmental regs. Are you kidding me? We're not going to do that. And so I, I do think he, uh, he he got hoodwinked a little bit. And you know, the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't doesn't reduce inflation at all. Uh, you know, D.C. has gotten to the point where if, if you package something, you can call it whatever you want, but it's still a pig. And this is this is this is a terrible piece of legislation that got passed. Yeah. Well, and I, you remind me that it was not really part of the legislative the, the statute. It was it was, I guess, a handshake. Right. It was something that was going to follow. And um, right, yeah. that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y y can you talk a little bit about the the indirect consequences of the rush to alternatives uh, and the abandoning of, of fossil fuels? And I'm thinking particularly, you know, you talked about how the price of energy is going up. And if, if you're an American manufacturer and, you know, a politician A, politician B, anyway, wants to, you know, make sure that we're buying American, try to bring things back. Trump is doing a good job of that. Um, mm -hmm. But you, how do you stay competitive when you have those input costs, not only the, the generally higher labor rates, but now just soaring energy rates? How, how in the world can we compete, you know, not only to just for Americans to put food on their table and pay their bills and so forth and heat their homes and, and cool them now, 
But doesn't that then translate into some real problems with our export market and our manufacturing sector, staying competitive? It does, because energy is what we need to make everything, whether you're on the factory floor, um, you know, or whether you are uh, creating something, it requires energy. And uh, again, Germany is finding that out right now. Their entire glass industry, which is huge, uh, they're not going to produce any glass this year. In fact, they're trying to figure out how to save the plants because you can't just turn them off. That equipment will be broken and can't be used. It must be kept and they're going well. Do we do we um, uh, do we keep the factories going, or we got to heat homes? That's what poor policy gets you. And in the United States, I'm not anti-renewables. They 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 have a place in the portfolio, and they will grow larger as they are both reliable and economic. But this rush is not based on any thoughtful conversation. It's based on this ideological drive that somehow being green is going to save the world. It's not. It's going to reduce our, our uh, standard of life and our ability to be economically competitive in the world if we're not careful. Oh yeah, and not only are we going to pay more for that because I've seen the comparison of what a whatever whatever a megawatt whatever they're measuring a unit of energy, um, you know, cost it with fossil fuels versus the renewable. I mean, it's 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 orders of magnitude more. It goes from cents to a dollar something. I forget whether it was wind or solar. And then, so Americans are not only going to pay more for the energy itself coming out of the you know the socket, if you will, or into the tank. Uh, uh, well, yeah, not into the tank, unfortunately, but they're going to pay more to subsidize the alternative industries because, I mean, those things, that's like candy to Democrat voters, yeah. <laughs> the progressive yeah. uh, the progressive lobby. It's just we're getting shafted both ways, aren't we? Well, we are. And, you know, when you look at energy like any other commodity, take a car, for example. If people like the car, they'll go buy the car. If they don't like the car, they're not going to buy the car. But uh, when you start saying, well, that car you really want to buy, I'm going to tax it. So it's going to be it's going to cost twice as much. And that car you really don't want. Uh, I'll give you a bunch of rebates. I'll bring that price down. You're manipulating the market to try to get consumers to buy something else that doesn't work uh, in the real world. And that's what we're facing. If you look at California, they have sky high energy prices. And it's because they have a mandate on a percent of power that must be produced from renewables. The more you drive this, the more it's going to cost. And please, uh, to the listeners, don't let anybody tell you different. Uh, renewables will come, but pushing them early is expensive. And right now, it's nowhere near as competitive, no matter what other people will tell you, to fossil fuels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we are falling on the sword, and uh, meanwhile, China's cleaning our clock. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Well, hey, I've really enjoyed get, getting to know you, Brigham, and uh, I'm going to keep following everything you're writing here on uh, the Hudson.org site, and uh, really appreciate your insights. Uh, I, I wish, I wish voters would hear these kind of analyses. I, I just, I pray that folks will have folks listen to the podcast tomorrow and and uh, log on to Hudson.org and uh, and look at your story on how we can help Europe fight back against Putin's gas warfare. It's a prescient um, war for America. I think it's right on. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank there you. It is Brigham, Brigham McGowan. Well, we, uh, we want to be very, very conscious of how we are falling on the sword here in these United States of America. And 
we're we're heading in the direction of Europe, and there is no better prima facie evidence. I put up Exhibit A, the wildfires in California threatening the grid, along with the, the temperatures there and people running the AC like crazy. And now Governor Gavin Newsom, in the ultimate hypocrisy, is saying, uh, hey, guys, uh, you know, don't charge those EVs, those electric vehicles of yours. You know, the ones that we're mandating here in California, the first state in the nation to say that by a fixed date, I think it's 2035, uh, you have to have, everyone has to have an electric vehicle. Uh, well, for now, we, you know, we don't have enough grid capacity. Really? Are you kidding me? I mean, what? this is absurd. This is absurd. The American people should be revolting. I don't mean physically. But I mean, at the ballot box, they should be electing the anti-greens <laughs> wherever they are. It is, a, it is a technology that is not ready for prime time. It is destroying our economy. It will continue to do that. And uh, I, we just all you have to do is look at the canary in the coal mine, Europe. That's what's been going on. And uh, I, I just I can't believe that Americans, enough Americans and enough in districts, in states, will continue to elect people that are just pushing forward against all, all sensibility, all rationality. Hey, I love clean air and water, just like the next guy. I'm a conservationist. I, you ought to see how I manage the land here at the lair. By the way, Leah says it's a little dark on our feed. This is the inaugural video feed for Facebook, Rumble, and Twitter. And Leah says, yeah, you're looking a little dark there. I said, well, how could I look darker? How could this look more <laughs> than, than Joe Biden you. the other night? I mean, with the red lights and the intimidating military presence there. I mean, my goodness. And him scolding. I'm just a warm little fuzzball here and, you know, deep in the well, well-armed, highly bunkered and well-fenced, uh, you know, environs of the Liberty Lair. It is the Liberty Lair. Even Leah doesn't know where it's at. When she visits the studio here, we have to put a blindfold on her so that, the, you know, because you never know. Leah, you know, you know that it was tough when you came here the first time and visited, right? Because it was a little bit odd, but we didn't want, uh, you know, in case they ever, in case they ever capture you behind enemy lines, <laughs> the phenobarbital, you know, the truth serum, we wouldn't want you to be, to be able to tell them how to get to the lair. It's a very secret installation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right hey let's step aside and when we come back i do want to talk about something that's troubling me and that is the thought police pushing down and potentially punishing california doctors with a new law that uh, talks about covid19 and so-called misinformation we'll talk about that and take your calls on what is an an, an increasingly fascist regime calling you Pro-Trump, pro-MAGA, pro-Restore America to limited government, strong borders, and strong economy with limited regulations type of an environment. Uh, yeah, you're the fascist, according to Joe Biden. No, 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 no. I think the lefties on the left coast and the right coast are the ones. We'll talk about that and take your calls at 314-912-1019. Coming up later in the program, Byron Keelan, A.J. Rice, Virginia Cruda, Gabe Pfeiffer, and Scott Powell. It's a busy show this morning. Glad you're with us. Stay there, guys. I feel
Good morning, Randy Tober with you here. 6.45 in the morning on our Labor Day edition, live here on the Randy Tobler Show. Maybe I'm just hypersensitive, Leah, I don't know. But um, I don't like it when, as a professional, a medical professional, my interpretation of a, of a given study or bunch of studies and my application of it to a given patient who, you know, of course, every, every patient's different and unique, is now going to be potentially governed, if I was in California, by the thought police. And there be some kind of a nebulous, uh, the consensus, the contemporary consensus of, uh, of scientific uh, thought. Now, th- this is very strange. California has passed a law, and I, I can't confirm this, but I know Governor Newsom was going to sign it. But uh, this law, a new bill that has passed the state legislature, would allow California medical regulators to punish doctors for spreading, quote, misinformation about COVID-19. Now, this is only applying to COVID-19 now, but you know it starts with COVID-19, and the next thing you know, it'll be about an antibiotic for your UTI or uh, what to do uh, in terms of... um, May, ah, maybe transgender surgery. Oh, if you don't if you don't agree to give puberty lock blockers, we're going to turn you into the medical board. That's where this could be heading. It's impossible to overstate just how uh, overarching this proposal is. I mean, I'm I'm really worked up over it because it it violates uh, several things. First of all. There's this special thing which the medical industrial complex has destroyed over the last uh, decade or so. Some doctors have been complicit with it. Many administrators are complicit with it. All politicians practically, are, except for Rand Paul, are, uh, are, are complicit with it. There are probably some others, but he's prominent. And that is the erosion of the connection, that sacred bond between the patient and the physician. Okay, the patient and the nurse practitioner, the physician assistant. But that, when someone is caring for you in such an intimate environment as your medical health care, you're vulnerable, you're, you're weak, you're hurting, maybe it's just a well visit and you're talking about some concerns you have. There should be an absolute bond there where the trust rules it and the trust of the patient towards the doctor and the ability to bring their best effort toward the patient is what is brought to bear. Well, doctors and others who are in favor of this say that that's in fact exactly what they're doing. They're protecting patients from doctors who are spreading snake oil. And you know what? There's something to be said about doctors and others that spread snake oil. I spent a long time on uh, <laughs> this this uh, station's progenitor uh, for decades talking about uh, on vital signs, talking about medical uh, care and about snake oil and trying to root it out. You know, I seek the truth. And we're to a time now where if a California doctor under this new bill says, you know, you want to use ivermectin, dear patient, you think that the studies are good. I'm not so sure they're good, but you know, if you want to use it, I don't see a harm in your case. I don't see that there's going to be a big risk because you don't have liver disease. You don't have any interactions the same with hydroxychloroquine, which can cause arrhythmias. 
And if that decision is made, and if the patient knows that, for instance, there are some hazards with these medicines, maybe principal among them, there are better things to do if you want to prevent COVID. I happen to think there may be. This is not about the content of this argument about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and on and on and on. This is about the ability of a physician to give informed consent to a patient and have the patient decide. To be fair, on the other side of the argument, people would say, well, wait a minute, it's been pretty well shown, and I believe it has, in very, very good studies, that hydroxychloroquine really doesn't make a difference. And in some studies, it's suggested that it may, in fact, make things a little worse. That said, there are, there are currently structures underway. There are things called courts. <laughs> there are things called uh, Facebook and social media. That, that where these things can be sorted out, if a patient feels as though a doctor advised them to take ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and they landed in an ICU for two weeks and they believe that that was bad advice, there's a way to take that out on the doc. Okay. Do we need another layer now where the medical boards, the licensing boards, the certifying boards are now going to decide that the current contemporary uh, scientific consensus is whatever that is, is what's going to rule every discussion in every office and exam room? I have a problem with that. Because what they thought, remember when at the beginning of the COVID crisis, this was just a droplet thing, and as long as you kept six feet across and then you wore your paper mask or your cloth mask, everything was good. We now know it is carried much farther and hovers in a room much longer with someone who has been there with COVID. So does that mean the doctors who may be promoting this misinformation law, which would punish doctors, including uh, discipline with our license, including revoking it? Are these doctors, were they the ones that were saying you need to stay six feet apart and don't worry about it as long as you're six feet apart, even if you're in a closed room? And, oh, the ventilation doesn't matter because it's just droplet spread? Were these the same doctors maybe that were saying is if you, if you got vaccinated and, uh, you know, the, you wouldn't get the virus and you wouldn't transmit it? Now, again, full disclosure and full transparency, I am pro-vaccine in the right setting, in the right patient. Again, this is not as much about content as it is the freedom of speech, the freedom of autonomy, and most importantly, that relationship between the doctor and the patient. 314-912-1019 here on News Talk STL. And if they can do this to physicians, what's next? Plumbers, will it be that you have to install, it's absolutely mandatory, if you don't install a water-saving toilet water tank, and, and if you go in to fix a seal on a toilet, you have to, by mandate, because the current contemporary sense, consensus says that we can save water by using a smaller uh, water-saving, conserving water tank. Will, will you have your plumber's license revoked? Next, will the union, who often union heads are in bed with the politicians, well, will it become a union thing? You, you, you lose your union card on this Labor Day weekend. Think about it. This isn't just about docs. Leah, maybe you as a radio producer, the next thing you know, the FCC says that, uh, uh, you know, you're playing too much, uh, too much of uh, the, the, uh, 
the 80s music and we need to play more contemporary um you know blm music because that's what the that's what the fcc commissioners say that'd be awful i know it may not go there of course that's the point but but the point is that when it's and when we lose our autonomy in one place it's a, it's it's a it's a short hop skip and a jump before we head to losing it in many other realms it's censorship and it's uh you know look, here's here's something that worries me many doctors all of us use uh, currently we will use um we will use meds that are so-called off label and and what that means is there are very good studies, credible studies, that a medicine that's been FDA approved for indication A, B, or C may be useful for indication or condition D. And currently, um, as long as there are good studies and if there's some kind of guidance from a professional society or some other authority, that it's okay to use it in a non-FDA approved manner, one, well, I have to tell you one thing is uh, IUDs. Sometimes we use IUDs for other than contraception. Progesterone medicated IUDs. Very valid, endorsed by the American College of OBGYN, no problem. But it's not FDA approved. Is there a time when if you haven't comported with only the FDA indications that you're in deep trouble? Well, that could be. And I ask you, look at your own profession. Look at whatever you do. How far should the government go in regulating professional relationships between the professional and by professional? I mean a carpenter, a plumber, an electrician, a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. Now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be authorities and there shouldn't be experts that have consensus and contribute to the, 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 the expertise that a professional delivers to whatever service that they're providing. But we have to be very, very careful about, about stepping on the freedom of people to have informed and autonomous and um, collaborative relationships with their, with their clients. Uh, that's where I stand. And uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Not going anywhere with that. <laughs> All right. Hey, let me run down what's happening the rest of the show. We have a packed show Byron Keelan joins us at the top of the hour to talk about some tax issues that he's working on. A.J. Rice from Publius PR with his new book, The Woking Dead, which is a great book. I have it sitting on the coffee table uh, because it's a collection of some of the some of the uh, articles that he's written over the last couple of years. Great, great book. And um, we talk, talked with him last week. And so uh, we're able to catch him for an interview. He's a busy guy. It's an Amazon number one bestseller. And we'll uh, we'll bring that to you at 725 at 745, our weekly get together with Virginia Cruta, of course, from the Virginia from the uh, Daily Wire, not the Virginia Wire, the Daily Wire. And as we wait, hopefully an Artemis launch to the moon uh, later on this morning after it was scrubbed last Wednesday, we'll talk with Gabe Pfeiffer. I want to get into some of the weeds with that. And then Scott Powell on a patriotic uh Send off as we wrap up the show at 845. All right. Hey, I'm Randy Tobler. There's Leah Olmstead. And uh, we're thankful you're here looking at us on Facebook, Rumble, and Twitter. Lots coming up. Grab a cup of coffee and a donut. We'll see you around the corner. Stay there, guys.